Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, December 15th. Hard to believe we're halfway through December, inching closer to Christmas, almost finishing up 2022 as his guest Thursday. Welcome to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. My name is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. And like I said, it is guest Thursday. Thursdays are our guest days. Just for you who might be tuning in for the first time, Monday through Wednesday, we work through different sections of Scripture that we go over in our SWAT Bible studies here in the Jacksonville area. And we kind of share uh, from the text. We explain the text. We go back and forth and kind of how that practically applies. Thursday's guest day. And then Friday, we usually have Brad Sykes and David Gray. Um, this week it will be David Gray and Brian Andrew, two SWAT guys, just talking about how do you walk the text out in life. But today I have three SWAT guys from um, uh, out at the beach, and they just returned from Israel with me. They were over there. Two of them, it was their first trip. One of them, it was a repeat. He went a few years ago. And I thought it'd be great. I know you're going, well, didn't you just talk last week to some guys about the trip? Absolutely. I'll talk this week. I'll probably talk more in January because it is such a life-changing trip to go over there and see what my wife called some of the holiest earth in the universe. Not because it's magic, but because God said, this is where my name is going to dwell. This is where I'm giving my people a place to worship me and to go and see all these events of the Bible. So uh, today in the studio, I have Jay Rolfe, I have Tim Hawes and Phil Wise, all SWAT brothers and all guys who have been in the Word for a while. So I'm really interested to hear them share their takeaways from the trip. So first of all, Jay, welcome to SWAT Radio. Thanks so much. Great to be here. And you, Tim, welcome. Pleased to be here. Thank and you, Doug. Bill, welcome to SWAT Radio. Thank you, Doug. Just my pleasure to be here. And uh, first of all, I will start with uh, Jay, since you're a newbie this year. <laughs> so you were one of the first-timers. Um, and, uh, Jay, how long have you been coming to SWAT, by the way? Uh, two years. Two years. So you have been sitting under teaching that is uh, – you know, devoted to the accuracy of scriptures, the veracity of it, and the importance of it in our life. What were your expectations before you went? Well, I think as I've told you, I I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, you're so prepared, and you you give us so much information to study, and you gave us a, a book, or you gave us access to kind of, um, you know, a minor dissertation <laughs> yeah. on... Uh, on where we were going to go, some places, some potential places that we would see and the events that had taken place there and kind of put it in both biblical as well as historical and cultural context. So I I looked through all that. You told us about a need to be fit, to be hiking, to be uh, prepared for that. For the the experiential part, right? For the experiential part. And, uh, and, and to, you know, and to be studying, to be studying the Bible and you gave us several scriptures to be reading. So, so I did all that, but it didn't prepare me. It didn't prepare <laughs> you me. You still for, weren't prepared. I wasn't prepared. No, no. But, uh, 
But it was it was good. I mean, you you kind of told us from the very beginning we're not going as tourists. We're going as disciples. And you also told us that you as the rabbi, as our teacher, you know, you weren't going to give us a lot of heads up from day to day what we're going to do. We were just supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. When you said come, then you follow the rabbi. Yeah, and basically I want to caveat what he just said real quick because I know some people's spidey senses might be going off. We have one rabbi. His name is Jesus. <laughs> and so I was functioning the way a rabbi would function. And my goal was to lead the way a rabbi would have led. And, uh, Tim, I know it was your first trip, too. You're a guy who's been very versed in Bible studies over the years. Uh, Pre-trip expectations for you. Anything to add what Jay said for you personally about going over there? I would just add that while I didn't know what to expect I can't think of a time in my entire adult life when I have looked forward to something more without wow. knowing what it was <laughs> I was looking forward to. But the the expectation of all of these readings and studies and studying that has been going on for the last 20, 25, 30 years, seeing that go to a different level, which it did way beyond my expectations, was really something that I was very excited about. That's, that's awesome. And, Phil, you've been there. You went with uh, our group a few years ago, and um, I know you were excited about having some family members on this trip, yep. but just you personally, did you did you have a, a reduced expectation because you'd already been there maybe, or, or were you going kind of hoping God was going to speak to you uh, again too? Yeah. So being going going back the second time, I definitely had some expectations and I kinda I, I, I knew what to expect. I, I, I knew even though you were the rabbi and you weren't telling <laughs> us where to go, I kinda had an idea of some of the places um that that, that we would be going. But the trip for me, Doug, um really changed the I think it was the third day when we hiked up to uh, Mount Arbel. And that teaching, if you remember that day, was about um, discipleship. And that's when you made us really focus on what the Bible is. The Bible was written by Jews for Jews. and you're Two not, Jews. Two Jews. Two Jews, Jews for everyone, but it was written by Jews to Jews. Two Jews, yes. And, and excuse me, yes. And your, you know, your, your, your message was, guys, you got to, you got to quit thinking the way, um, you know, a, a, a Westerner would modern age. You got to put your hat on two thousand years ago and think like the Easterners did during during Jesus's time. And that's kind of when the trip really um, changed for me because that's when we talked about community, mm-hmm. and community was you equated that to um, Jesus said, "Follow me. I'll teach you. Just follow me." And then you incorporated that into text. And the text is what really hit home to me because every lesson, every teaching that you did, it was Jesus' teaching, but you always took it back to the Old Testament. And that just, that just blew me away. I had no idea you know, that Jesus, every time he talked, he was talking, making a reference to the Old Testament. And your, you know, your, your theme was, Every Jew should have known this. 
Mm-hmm. And yet, most of them didn't. Most of them were blind to that. And then just your your um, um, your teaching about um, they having a desire, a passion to be like their teacher, like their rabbi. And I think that's just when the trip to me took a whole different tone. And and then and then the hike up the Mount Arba, knowing that <laughs> what you taught us, that was the mountain. That was the mountain where Jesus said. This is where this is where he taught the disciples the the Co-made great commission. Disciples, yeah. Yes, so it all it all kind of came together, and just doing that hike, thinking those guys, you know, those twelve disciples going up there to meet Jesus, having their, you know, they have very simple sandals on. We had our high tech rocos on. Yeah, they had no waters. We had bottled waters. Um, it was just quite just. It, it, it was ver- it was where the whole trip changed for me. In a, in a direction that I had then I had no expectations and it just yeah. opened my eyes up to to to, to the scriptures. Well, uh, Jay, you talked about that hike up Mount Arbel in Galilee. Um, the first part was pretty rough, wasn't it? It was very tough, uh, and I was huffing and puffing. And uh, you know this, but uh, I guess we took our we were, took our first break, maybe a few hundred feet up. And it looked like a storm was brewing mm-hmm. over uh, the Sea of Galilee. And you prayed that the storm would go away, that would let us finish our, our hike because if it Just to let the listeners know, if it rains, you can't complete the hike because there's actually rebar ladders you have to go up on some portions of it. So it's actually illegal for you to hike in the rain over there up these mountains. So go ahead. Well, I didn't know that at the time. But... Uh, but anyway, you probably did mention it, but it, it was it was already challenging at that point. But it was thundering in the distance, and it looked like it might rain. And you were praying for the rain to go away, and I had to admit to you, I was praying internally that the rain would come because <laughs> I was really struggling at that point. But but to Phil's point, um, you know, we were a family, we were a community, that group, and um, and we all helped each other. And and these two brothers were helping me. Tim helped me. Uh, Hank, uh, who was another member of the group, helped me. And, you know, we got to a point and we took a bit of a break there. And I caught my breath. And you had said earlier that uh, that Jesus was constantly pushing the the disciples. He was pushing them to really how committed, how convicted are they in their faith? How convicted beyond are they? Beyond their comfort zone. Beyond sure. their comfort zone. Do they trust in Jesus? Do they trust in the Lord? And, and so I did a lot of praying and struggling up there, but, but gosh, when we got to the top, to Phil's point, it was just majestic Mm. to to look out over the top and see the Sea of Galilee. It was, uh, it was, it was a a life-changing experience. And, and to see it actually at the spot and to hear it, Mm. you'll, you'll never read that scripture in the Bible again without remembering because this is the one thing, Phil, going back to something you said about the Jewish Eastern mindset. I really believe it's easier to go back 2,000 years in time than it is to go from west to east and hmm. the, the, the understanding. Because the time, it's a lot easier to understand. But we are so ingrained in Greco-Roman thought and Greco-Roman education here we have no idea how influenced we are. And Tim, I know 
you have been very successful. All you guys are successful, but uh, I know you've been in a world around a lot of high-profile people in the industry that you were in. And I took you to a place over there um, called Scythopolis that was very different from where Jesus drew the majority of his disciples, right? Um, and I brought you guys up so you had this broad view of that area, the ruins of that. And I talked a lot about our culture. And I want to just drill down a little bit on our cultural differences. Did that really impact you, how different Jesus chose from versus what was available and how we live in that kind of world today where we're much more Hellenistic, much more Greek-oriented, Roman-oriented than we are Hebrew-oriented. Well, if you think about you know where the disciples came from, right? The disciples didn't come from the Pharisees, and they didn't come from the religious elite, and they didn't come from the political establishment, and they didn't come from the wealthy, um, with the exception perhaps of, of, of Matthew a little bit. Um, you know, the disciples were just ordinary everyday people who um ha- had who 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 god chose mm-hmm. and 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 i i guess the impression that that makes upon me is god uses who god chooses to use and he can use anyone and everyone now fl- take a take a moment and think about i'm going to mispronounce the name of the town uh Scythopolis. Scythopolis which was this incredibly successful Greek community, Roman community, yeah. um, and it's gone. It's, it, 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 we were standing up there looking at it. It was completely empty. Going, forgotten. wow, right, Jay? I know. You for, caught me. It, it, it is forgotten. <laughs> it is forgotten and buried, and yet juxtaposed on top of it, our view was the current city that sits out there, and what were we seeing we were seeing the exact same things. We were seeing theaters, and we were seeing arenas, and we were seeing buildings, and we were seeing retail establishments 2,000 years later that are, while not buried the way this, this place was and being excavated out of the ground, shows that, that there is absolutely nothing has changed mm-hmm. in 2,000 years. And, and it's not. And when you look at our cities, by the way, one of the teachings was that People look to cities for refuge, protection, comfort, food, provision. And cities today in our culture are really, I mean, when you think of New York and L.A. and San Francisco and even Miami, you don't think of protection. You you don't want to go there. People move out of those areas, right? You almost think of the exact opposite. Exactly, which is... What Hellenism leads to chaos, that chaos we talked about, the tohu vavohu, if you remember that word. So, you know, you know, Phil, having gone over there the first time where I didn't really have as much of my understanding of the Hebrew culture as I did this time. I mean, I had a little bit, but not near the level. It was a very different trip from you than the first trip. Talk about you. You made a statement at the end of the trip that I, I just it, it really stuck with me about Emmaus. Sure. 
Sure. And what, what, share that with our listeners. What what you sure. what what you said sure. about that. Sure. Um, and I will, Doug. But just just uh, another point on the, the the trip. And there again, another thing that just stands out, and I'll never forget, is you said in the Bible there are no there's no um, coincidences. And I'll never forget you uh, when we were up in uh, around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you took us um, to the place where uh, all evidence points to they fed the 5,000. And just a simple teaching, like starting out talking about five loaves and two fish. And you said, well, guys, what do you think about that? And, okay, yeah, five loaves and two fish. We said, think about it again. And, 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 then, and then you pointed out with the five loaves. Yeah, that corresponds um, – to, to the five books, the, f- the first five books in the Torah, um, the two fish, the two tablets that Moses uh, brought down to his people. And then you put it all together, and, you know, that's what you need to be fed on daily. You know, we need Scripture daily. We need J- Jesus in our life daily, and we need uh, nutrition daily. And it just just and how many Teachers baskets? Like how many baskets did they pick up? Well, twelve. That was my twelve. 12 baskets. And there's twelve, so 12 tribes, tribes. Right. to say that I'm going to provide for you. And I mean, like, just but but you'll never forget that never up forget. on top of that area there, no. looking out on the Sea of Galilee, where it very likely could have happened. And 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 you know, one of the things people get really caught up on on the trip is, did it happen here? Did it happen here? And it, it's not necessarily that it happened in the exact geographic spot where it was, but you were close. You were very close, and you could have visualized what it would have been like. And I think that's really important. Talk a little bit, but but I want you to but, go so back yes, to the that, that, Yes, so I want to make that point. But, yes, you were the, – the, the, the last day we were there, you know, you wanted everyone's impressions. And, I mean, it just it, – to me, to me, it was just a no-brainer. I, I felt like, you know, one of those two disciples on the road to uh, Emmaus and – Jesus came along and started talking to us and, you know, started opening up scriptures to us and, you know, basically went through the whole uh, Old uh, Testament with these two disciples and everything in it pointed to him. And it just became enlightening to them. And then when they're, they realized that that was Jesus and he disappears, it's just his, their, heart, their hearts were just burning, mm-hmm. burning to learn more about the scripture and 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 how it all pointed to Jesus, yeah. and that's what I feel like the whole theme of the trip was to me at the end. Well, it, and that's a, it was a great word picture of that moment because I think the more we get into Scripture, the more that we ask God to reveal His truth to us. At least in my case, it's almost an insatiable desire for more. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 you become hungry for more. Uh, to know him better, not not because you want to puff up with knowledge, but because you go, I had no idea, God. I I, I want to know more of you. I, it, you know, it's it's like just discovering. Oh my gosh, the 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 bridegroom has so much more to offer than I even knew. There, there's so much more than just the initial appearance, and it's not that what we teach in the West is wrong. It's just that it's limited. It's it's such a small little little dot mm-hmm. <laughs> on the mountain, you know. Uh, Jay, when you were um, when you first the first couple of days as a business guy here in the states, 
talk a little bit about how hard it was to not know where you were going uh, and and to fight your culture your personal culture to be in control no i mean it was a it was a significant challenge uh, and you'd remind us and we'd we'd kind of be thinking well no he's he's just kidding with us you know we'll be able to find out what's going on no you were very emphatic you know we were just gonna kind of follow you and go as as you let us and uh, and it was tough it was kind of what phil was talking about and it's it it may not sound as as meaningful but when you're there you appreciate what what this whole phrase of having a western mindset having a hellenistic mindset versus a middle eastern mindset having a analytic i've got to know i've got to have an answer i've got to have a solution mindset versus feeling and trusting in and just you know the spirit kind of leading you to follow uh, the rabbi in the right direction and uh and i think over the the next few days i won't say that i got there completely but i got more comfortable mm-hmm. and i got more comfortable just <laughs> just uh kind of you know the only thing that was more intense probably laughing at me is that what's the next mountain we're going to hike and how high and how far and how challenging and and what have you but uh but it it, it was i think you just kind of you do you kind of find yourself acclimating to the environment both mental and spiritual and physical there and uh, you, I just found myself loving it. Well, Tim's chomping at the bit to jump in here. What do you want to say, Tim? You know, you know, Phil and Jay and I and the other two members of our Beethoven all sat together on the bus every day. Yeah. And although, yes, did I start to get a little more comfortable with the not knowing, that didn't prevent us for one second from <laughs> the dominant conversation being on the bus trying to speculate about where we were going next. Yeah. And we were hammering Phil, and we all had our maps out. We were trying, where do you think we're going next? What are we going to do next? And, you know, on the one hand... I wasn't nearly as bad. <laughs> just yeah. kidding. We were all pretty bad. But but it just, you know, yes, that diminished over the course of the week, but we, we never got completely away from well, it. Well, I, I, one of the goals for people going on this kind of a trip is to experience what it might have been like for the disciples. When he said, follow me, it it was not like, okay, I'm going to go to a Bible study on Wednesday morning and get some teaching from him, and then I'll see him next week. You know, it was like, hey, leave everything, come be with me, and not know where you're going, and, and trust me to teach you, trust me to lead you, trust me to provide for you. Uh, and, and you think all those things, like when you go over there, especially on, on a trip like this, you're going, you, you two have never been, Phil's been, but, but going over there, you were dependent on me in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. by, by force, you had to be right. Like, for hotels and all, even though I told you where we were staying, yeah. when we went there, I would hand out the keys. You would come get your place. We weren't just sleeping. We we stayed in in decent places, so it wasn't like I was leading you as difficult as he did. I did give you some luxuries, like I gave you bathrooms. Like when Lori and I went with the guy who trained me and her, 
we had to use the bathroom on the path. Mm. Everybody. It was, it was like no, no bathroom stops. Mm. Now, imagine our group, because you know how many times we had to go use restrooms. Again, <laughs> that is a very Western way of thinking. Yeah. Because we've grown up with it. Listen, there's nothing wrong with it. We appreciate it. So I'm not trying to denigrate the fact that we have this. But what happens when all right, all you guys have you have you guys ever flown first class? Uh huh. Okay. Sure. All right. When I was traveling a lot to Russia, and even now when I travel, because I'm a million miler with Delta, there are times that I get bumped up a class in service, and I get to fly first class. Not paying for it, paying for coach, but I get first class. Well, what I find is if I start getting bumped up a lot, I start expecting it. Mm-hmm. I, the first couple of times, I'm so excited about it because I'm just like, mm-hmm. I, I, man, that's a cool thing. But after a while, I begin to expect it if it happens a couple of times. And I, I then start bargaining with the flight attendants like, sure, you can find a space for me up there. And I find myself really disappointed in the back. Mm-hmm. And I think when we go over to Israel and we start to go, and one of the things that I hope to accomplish is uh, what he did with me, this guy that took me and Lori over there, is help to teach me that we shouldn't have those kind of expectations of comfort because those expectations of comfort is what leads people when they don't get those to go away from God's leadership to their own leadership. Because God may take us through the desert, as you guys heard over there. And we got to go to our, our news break on the half hour. But when we come back, what I'd like you to do is think about those desert talks, those desert walks we had, and maybe how God might have given you a new perspective on going through some difficult times in your own life and, and stuff and, and our role in helping others. So, uh, again, you got Jay Rolfe, Tim Hawes, and Phil Wise, some SWAT guys and some brothers from out at the beach who were joining me. They were on our trip to Israel, and they're going to be sharing with more of their thoughts from the trip. And, by the way, I've already got the dates for next year. It's <laughs> November 24th through December 5th. If you want to sign up, you can send me an email at Doug at SWATradio.com. I'll send you more info. That's D-O-U-G at SWATradio.com. We'll be right back after the news. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That's uh, I heard the bells. I love that song. That's Casting Crowns. Uh, by the way, I got to let you guys know that uh, last night, 
Uh, my, my daughter, Abby, is a dreams come true. Great organization here in Jacksonville. It's a dream-granting organization like Make-A-Wish. Well, we Lori and I have been blessed with a Make-A-Wish child in Rachel and a dreams come true child in Abby. And uh, the, the, the thing I love about them is they never forget you. Like, they give you your wish, but they always call you, hey, we've got this. Would you like to do it? And last night, Abby... And our family got to go here Pentatonics Christmas. It was the best Christmas program I've ever seen ever. And, you know, one of the things that struck me, in fact, I was praying for a couple of the the singers because there's a couple uh, of guys there that, whether I don't know, I there's one or two professing Christians in the group, but they have this incredible talent and they sing these Christian songs and they do it so well. They're image bearers of God, whether they're believers or not, they bear his image and they have these gifts and they did a rendition of amazing grace that was so beautiful. And the Christmas carols, they song, which have good theology in them. And I was just sitting there rejoicing that, Thousands and thousands of people were listening to the words of Scripture as sung through these pagan people. Mm-hmm. And, and God was so amazing because if you were a believer, it was a spiritual moment. And if you weren't a believer, you might not have got the same thing. But for all the believers there to hear their king praised and his birth celebrated, you know, and, I, you know, just for a second, talk about you were over there at the time of years. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Christ. And I did a teaching in one of the spots that was probably a lot more like what it would have been like than your traditional, you know, stable that you see in a lot of nativities or whatever. Uh, I'll start with you, Tim. Talk a little bit about what it was like to be in the cave hearing about the birth of our king it it was absolutely perspective changing in terms of you know what you think you you know i'll I'll just give you a real quick analogy (laughs) you know you can read all you want about what it is to go scuba diving or you can read all you want about what it is to go skydiving but until you jump out of a plane or until you get underwater it's just words what what happened when we went over there is the Bible absolutely came alive. And th- the perspective of now specifically being in that cave completely changed for me the entire b- birth story of, of Jesus. Wh- who were the shepherds? Why were the shepherds there? What was it like in the cave? Um, you know how how did Joseph and Mary end up in this cave and not in this barn or in this <laughs> stable as you know we all envision in the Western world? Um, it, it 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 I guess the best way to 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 summarize it for me is it it dramatically broadened my view of how I read scripture. Yeah, Jim, and, Hotel, and, what about you? Yeah, and, and just to so you know ditto everything Tim said, but then to add to that. <clears throat> We were right there at the shepherd's field. And there again, to be there and to see it, you realize what was going on at the shepherd's field. That's where the shepherds were raising 
lambs to be um, slaughtered three times a year at the at the sacrifice at the at the at the temple. It was happening right there, and then to to, to learn about um, the shepherds and you know their care for these sheep. You know the 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 sheep need to be totally unblemished for them to be uh, you know a worthy sacrifice, and you know to to look at the sheep like that, and then to look at our Lord and Savior. Same thing. The analogies there, and the analogies of, you know, the, the, the Jesus being wrapped up in a, in a in a cloth. The sheep, as soon as they were born, would be wrapped up in cloths. So just all the parallels between what the shepherds were doing, and the birth of Jesus. And there again, this being this time of year, just was just very special. Jay, what do you think about the cave? No, I mean a lot of uh, a lot of it's already been been said, but um, just that it was so. I don't know, it was so simple, you know, that, that it's that Jesus, kind of the ultimate shepherd, is there in a cave with uh, the shepherds that are, that are tending to the, the unblemished sheep to be sacrificed, that he ultimately to be the sacrificial lamb, mm-hmm. you know. And, but that they were just in this cave and, pro, and the sheep being there and, and it just being earthly i mean not uh i mean they were defecating there i mean just well yeah and i was going to ask you because the cave that we were in uh, in bethlehem was fairly pristine and that right. there had not been any livestock in there when we were hiking up uh our bell we i took you into a cave that right. livestock had been in yes talk about the difference of that jay very very different very different especially if it was dark like it was when we first walked in there and watching your watching your step but that was more that was more a true perspective on what it was like what, what was, was the like. scent like in that it cave? didn't smell very good at all it was more like dung like dung, dung. Yes. it was it was dung it was very earthy and that's probably um you know Jesus was born to be a, a, a savior for, and, and you kind of kept coming back to it, that, that he wanted us to be a light. He wanted us to be a city gate. He wanted us to be uh, someone to, uh, to be there to help the marginalized. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was just a perfect setting, a simple setting in a, shep- in a shepherd's field cave where he was born. And the origin of his life was very consistent with his life thereafter, that he was... He was a shepherd leading leading the sheep and ultimately to be the the sacrificial lamb to take take all of our our sins and lead us to lead us to the holy land lead us to salvation well tim when when you experience the cave with all the dung in it and the smell of the dung, can you see why maybe the Jewish people that were around then would not have recognized him as a king because no king would be born like that? Well, there's no question that he he did not come into this world in the way that the Jewish people of the time were expecting, given what they were expecting of him. They were expecting a military king who was going to come in and and you know uh, uh, destroy the Romans and 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 bring the the Jews uh, away from Roman rule in in a more of a military context. And yet, that's exactly how Jesus did not come to serve. He came to be a a servant king. He came to be someone who was, um, you know, the least uh, would be the. I, 
I'm paraphrasing scripture, but the the, the least would be the greatest. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's no question why people would have would have not perceived that as the coming of the Messiah. Well, the, he he didn't come to save people from the Romans. He came to save people from themselves. Right. Um, you know, Phil, talk a little bit about that for a second. The the euangelion, the the king, you know, a new king is coronated, and when he came and seeing that, you know, they missed Jesus because they were looking for their Jesus. Not not Jesus, but their Messiah, the, the Messiah they created. Mm-hmm. Talk about how maybe this trip shifted your perspective even of what Messiah is about versus your expectations of Messiah. Did that impact you at all over there? In other words, like, um, and, and if you need a minute, Jay, you can jump in, but it's just, it's just this idea of they miss Jesus because of what they projected him to be. Well, don't we do the same thing? Well, well sure, Doug. I mean, that to me, um, the first time I went, we had a lot of teachings about, about the, the subject you're, you're, you're talking about, that they missed it, that the, all the, was, all the signs were there, that <clears throat> you know, people coming from all over the world, because their belief was that that Jesus was the Messiah, this is where he spent his life, this is where he taught his people, and you have all these um, um, practicing Jews that are over there that completely miss that, that they 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 and they've got all the evidence they need in the Old Testament. It's spelled out right there to them, and they and and and, and they missed and they've missed it, and it's just it's yeah. But don't they, we do the same thing? Of, of course we do. Of course we yeah, do. Yeah, we, we have an expectation of what he's supposed to be. And when he comes, he's come already. But when we're exposed to him, we reject him because he's not what we want him to be. Like, what? how, how did that impact you, Jay? Well, you so often, Phil touched on earlier, your teachings would take us back to the Old Testament. And so I think it's in Isaiah where I, Isaiah, he, he obviously prophesies um, the Messiah and more of the details and the specifics about it. But, but he talks about it being um, a shepherd king. He talks about it being a merciful king. He's not necessarily describing this Military. militant warrior king. And I thought, you know, I, I, when I go back now, again, it's been said over and over again, but it, the Bible just comes alive now from those those teachings and i think about when jesus came in to jerusalem the triumphal entry and and i think even some of the disciples at that point <laughs> got swept up in they it. got swept up in it also they were looking for you know as tim described this will this warrior king this one that was going to kick out the a roman political empire king. a political <laughs> king a militant king okay go so ahead. so so let me interrupt you there yeah, go ahead Think about our culture where we are right now and how we have somehow um, conflated uh, political ideology with spiritual ideology in our country. Um, Are we any different than they are? No, no. And like Tim said to his point earlier, nothing's changed in 2000 years really nothing new under the sun yeah yeah no i mean if you go all the way back to the earliest elements of the old testament 
come all the way up through the Old Testament. It is. It Wait, is. Wait, but Tim, do we really need the Old Testament? Some, some people say we we don't need the Old Testament anymore. And, uh, and uh, sorry, I don't have a cough button. I, I should have a cough I'm button. Sorry, that's okay. Uh, but no, just to, to I was. But, make it a joke. But there. but my my point is that it is it is a continuing cycle of people going after what they want for themselves. It is idols, a, I, idols of of and idols are as prominent, if not far more prominent, element of our society today. And society drives them at us from every angle, whether it's sports or it's entertainment or it's you know whatever it happens to be. Um, you know, the only place where you can get away from that is in Scripture. Yeah, we don't worship little silver shrines. We work, worship Ben Franklin. Yes, <laughs> we do. Uh, that, the, our idols are a little more subtle. Yeah. Or it's ourselves, right? Uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned before we went to our news break that I was going to ask you guys about the desert. Um, just real quick for, you know, just go around the horn here. Uh what was one takeaway from the desert okay. teaching for each one of you? May and it can be the same. You can comment, but Phil, start with you. Sure, sure uh, just the desert yeah. teaching. Yeah, the desert teaching. So that's obviously where where we're, we're tested. And I was just going to make a point before I talk about it. <clears throat> so the hardest, the toughest thing about going on a trip like this, there are so many takeaways, and you really have to just narrow it down to a couple. What you really you know, what you really took out of it and really make it a, an, impul, an impactful um, part of your life. And I, one of the teachings, Doug, and I don't remember exactly which, which, which one it was, um, but it, it really, the essence of it is less of a, you know, get, get, give up control of your life, put, let Jesus take control of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, put everything, put your faith in him. Don't don't rely on yourself, and I got to tell you, Doug. Um, yes, I wanted to to, to 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 have that as a takeaway. Well, that got that got put to my <laughs> test this week because ever since I've gotten back, I have been I, I've been challenged. I got as I told you guys, I, I got I got pretty sick when I got back. I had a couple of family emer- um, uh, health issues that that popped up, but then the biggest challenge I have had is uh, my my dog, my best friend, became sick. And yesterday, didn't know what was going to happen with him. And when, when, when some things came out with him five days ago, I started thinking about our trip, and I started thinking about don't – God's got this. Jesus has this. Let him, let him take control. And you know what? I did, and I prayed for him, and other people prayed for him, and he's fine. Mm. It's It's – it's and and that to me that was a big lesson of just letting go, and there again that was one of the lessons um, that we that we learned out that you taught us out out out, out in the desert. So. Uh, Tim, what about you? For, for me, one of the most uh, uh, visually impactful lessons was when we went up into Engedi, mm-hmm. where the caves were that. Uh, that that David hit in, yeah. you know, we we headed off into what looked to be a giant mountain of sand and rocks, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, as we came around a corner, we were in this invisible, lush oasis of green plant life and waterfalls and streams, and I I was so overwhelmed 
with God's ability to make to, to make anything out of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, God's sovereignty just really hit me like a ton of bricks in that situation, knowing that as you are half a mile away looking at this thing, you would never see it, but God did what God wanted to do and needed to do for his his warrior David um and it it just it, it really helped solidify my my the strength that I get out of God's sovereignty yeah. and and Getty is oasis yeah. it's it, it is a refresh refreshing point it's a beautiful spring we hiked up to that upper waterfall which by the way was being provided water uh from 2000 years ago yeah. From from rain that fell t- that that That's always amazing. blows yeah. me away yeah. that the waterfall that pre- provide and water is life and you know it's interesting in Israel there's no real river system like in other countries surrounding it so they have to depend on God and it was by design going back to His sovereignty Jay what about you what what desert teaching really struck you or what stood out for you there so uh, so you had a habit of we'd be riding along in the bus and you'd just say pull over so we'd pull over and you'd just walk out and walk across the road and it'd be in the middle of the desert and it would be rocky and you would just think nothing can grow here it's arid it's there's it's rocky there's really no place for anything to grow and we'd walk up a hill and there'd be uh, a little broom tree there Mm. and and you talked about you know that that jesus and and part of one of the main messages was to be a broom tree was to be shade yes was to provide shade for for those that that were in need that were hot that were thirsty that just needed and you'd look at one of these little broom trees and they're just nothing (laughs) and you think how could anyone get you know under that enough to get any any shade but in the desert any just a little something like that was sufficient and it was god it was a way of teaching us that even in the the darkest of the darkest times or the driest of the most arid times of your life god will provide God will provide a broom tree to provide shade for you. Yeah, and and the broom trees were spread out, so it wasn't like there was lots of big oak trees around where you. They were just enough to keep you going to the next broom tree. And uh, Psalm 121 says, the Lord is your keeper. He's the shade, the zel. You remember that Hebrew Mm -hmm. word, zel, T-Z-E-L, on your right hand. The sun won't strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And we, I talked about over there that at night, if it gets down to 50 degrees and it's been 120 in the daytime, it's freezing at mm-hmm. night. And and so you're sweating, your clothes are wet, and then all of a sudden it's 50 degrees. And how did God lead his people in the wilderness? By what? Uh, a cloud in the mm-hmm. daytime, which provided that zell the shade. Mm-hmm. And at night, he was a, a fire. 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 Um, you know, our, we, we have about five or six minutes left. I, I I think every time I go over there, the most significant thing to me is the contrast between kingdoms. And specifically during the time of Christ, there was really Herod. He was the king of that area, even though he wasn't a birthright king. He didn't have the lineage. But he was a king 
who wanted to kill Jesus. And the contrast, you guys got to see Herodium, which was something he built. Mm-hmm. You, you, We passed by Masada. You didn't really get to walk it. But I did talk about Caesarea Maritime. I talked about his, um, his accomplishments. And, you know, for I don't care who want, whoever wants to jump in can jump in. Um, talk talk about that teaching of kingdoms there. Like which king are you going to follow? You know, when we were at Herodium, uh, what stood out to you about Herod's accomplishments versus Jesus? Well, just real quickly on as we were standing up on the top of Herodian, um, and you made the comment, "We're the only ones here." <laughs> And it was this absolutely, in its day, ultra-magnificent castle that was probably one of the wonders of the world, and now it's fallen apart and forgotten. And yet when we were in Jerusalem uh, or we were in the Church of the Nativity, those places were so crowded you couldn't even move. So, you know, what what is it that 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 is is lasting and meaningful it's things of the Lord. It's mm-hmm. and and yeah, that's a that's, yeah uh, yeah. Bill, anything? No, I was just Tim. Tim hit it on the on the yeah. It the it's the 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 permanency of the kingdom of God versus whatever man um, makes. It's 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 not going to be there forever. There's only one place that we can put our our faith, our permanent faith, and that's that's in, in, in Jesus. That's the one thing that never never goes away. Uh, Tim? Uh, well, the only thing, I, I uh, Tim and Phil put it well. Or, Jen, or Jay, sorry. That's all right. That's all right, brother. At the, at the end of most every teaching, you'd have, you'd have a question. You'd have a, a faith lesson question, and it would be, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to follow? What are you going to do? How are you going to move forward? And and all those questions are: Am I going to trust in myself, am I, or am I going to trust in God? Mm-hmm. And and just over and over and over again. And those are the teachings that I love about you, Doug. Is that you challenge us, just like Jesus challenges us. How strong is our faith? Mm. Well, I was reading, and um, and I'm going to end end with this question. We got about three minutes left. So this is going to be a hard question for you, uh, but I want to preface it with an Old Testament reference to Chronicles where Asa was a king. He took over, man. He he was a good king. He was doing good things. And the Ethiopians sent a million, a million troops. Think about that. I don't care what country, a million troops, man, that is a lot of people. And Asa cried out to the Lord because he only had half a million. And and God delivered him from that, sent the Ethiopians packing, man. They were running, and he just, I mean, just destroyed him, decimated him. And then the king of Israel, Basha, who had nowhere near what the Ethiopians had, was was starting to besiege him, and he was coming against Asa. And Asa, instead of going back to the Lord, goes to Syria and asks Ben-Hadad, hey, will you break your treaty with Basha and and side with me? Instead of doing what he did the first time, it seemed more manageable to him than a million. 
And I, I was struck by that and and that that a lot of times when we look at life, instead of trusting God all the time, we tend to only trust him when it gets beyond our control, which a lot of times he leads us to that place <laughs> because he wants us to trust him. So here's the question now that I've kind of set that real quick. One, one, just one minute each. Coming back from Israel, it's easy to get sucked back into the Hellenistic culture and let that dominate your thinking. What are you doing now as a result of being there? Or what are you asking God for now as a result of being there that changes your walk with him? Think about that. That's a, I know it's that's a pretty loaded question, but you got a minute. <laughs> well, Doug, I'll, I'll I'll go first. So it, there again, as I as I was as I was referring to, your mind's spinning when you come back. You really have to really compress it down to a couple of main takeaways. And my main takeaway was the teaching that you did um, out in the desert, where what you do in your life, and that is, you know, however many days you think you've got left, put those rocks, put those rocks in a jar, take one rock out every day. And do something for, for for the for the kingdom. Yeah, and that's a good teaching. It's, every day counts. I am praying more, and I am praying differently than when I went over to Israel. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm in the Word more, and uh, and praying more, and trying to trust more. That's awesome. Well, guys, our time is up. You guys have been amazing. It was such a treat to have you. Again, uh, if you want to listen to this or any past program, you can go to www.swatradio.com. Share this with friends. Get a group. Go to Israel. Come. I'm leading a group next November 24th through December 5th. The cost is somewhere between four dollars and $5,000. Uh, I would love for you to go. You can email me at Doug at SWATradio.com. Tomorrow, David Gray is going to be on here with Brian Andrew. They're going to be discussing our teaching from Acts and what that looks like lived out. If you want to connect, you can go to Facebook or Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk. Uh, Join us tomorrow. Uh, Praying you guys have a Merry Christmas. Thank you all for being on today. All right. Thank you for having us, Doug. Thanks for having us. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening 